0: I don't know if you can hear in the background, my wind chimes, it's very windy here today. I am grateful, always, as you know, if you've been a regular lister, uh, I am grateful to continue on with the obstacles to peace and the fear of death here. The attraction of death, which includes the fear of death. So we're going to continue on with this because this is so helpful to us here is to really get into this and uh, understand it. So. Let's begin with a blessing and a prayer. I place my hand in my heart and I am grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self to remember and recognize there is no death. There is only eternal life. There is only perfect love, the Christ, the risen Christ. So grateful to remember to teach only love for that is what we are. And we're grateful that that's the truth of our being. We are sharing the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So we are in chapter 19, section 4C. And... Basically, picking up where we left off, where Jesus was talking about the body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing. Of itself, the body is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption that can be corrected. Of course, the tiny mad idea of corruption is the ego thought system, the belief in separation. And Jesus says, for God has answered this insane idea of separation and ego with his own, an answer which left him not. So the answer is still here where we are because we're part of God. He says, And therefore, the answer brings the Creator to the awareness of every mind which heard His answer and accepted it. So, to me, if you feel like, I don't think I've heard the answer, the answer is that there is no problem, there is no separation, that all is well. If we haven't heard that and we're... um, Entrenched in the muck and the mire of ego personality, we can still say mentally, I'd like to hear the answer and I'm intent on accepting it. So, to me, this is so important that we are connected with that higher Holy Spirit self. We're in that dialogue, that conversation. We're asking for what we'd like, not in the material sense, but in the spiritual sense. I'd like to hear the answer to separation, and I'd like to accept it fully as my awareness of the truth, and I'd like that to happen right now. Making that choice. The next paragraph, you who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption. So by practicing a course of miracles, living a course of miracles, we're dedicating ourselves to the eternal life of pure spirit, which is incorruptible. So you who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption so we can release others from corruption. He says, what better way to teach the first and fundamental principle in a course on miracles than by showing you the one that seems to be the hardest can be accomplished first. Yeah, bring it on. (laughs) The body can but serve your purpose. As you look on it, so will it seem to be. Death, were it true, would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. So, the body can but serve our purpose. Meaning... That's all the body can do. It can only serve your purpose. So what is your purpose? Is your purpose to live the love, to walk the talk? Is your purpose to uh, whoever has the most stuff when they die wins? Is that your purpose? Is your purpose to impress other people? Is your purpose what? What is your purpose? For me, I believe that we all have the same life purpose, whether we know it or not, whether we agree to it or not, and that is to be the perfect givers and receivers of love that we are designed to be. So once I realized, oh, that is actually my purpose, to be the perfect giver and receiver of love that I am designed to be. I could relax and still have goals in the world. Of course I have goals in the world. Uh, So many goals in the world. I I run a global ministry. I'd like to support as many people as would like to truly live these principles of A Course of Miracles, I'd like to support them in letting go of all resistance, all reluctance. I'd like to support anyone who's interested in learning how to love themselves free of belief in lack and limitation. I'd like to help every family become a really, truly loving and prosperous family. I'd like to Uh, I have so many goals, so many goals. And still, everything is under the umbrella of being the perfect giver and receiver of love. So, the body, as we look on it, will be what we think it is. And if we think we're born to die... That's serving the ego's goal. Paragraph 7 here, he says, Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it and bid it come to save them from communication. So I used to frequently think, I hate this world and and there were times when I thought Ugh, I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here. There was a time when I was suicidal. And so all of that is thinking that I would rather escape this world which can be so difficult and unpleasant. When we are identified with the ego, it's not that the world is horrible. When we're identified with the body, then the world seems difficult and hard and complicated and confusing and pain-filled. But when we're identified with spirit, we can see the world for what it is. And then we can see the incredible beauty that is constant, Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it and bid it to come to save them from communication. So what Jesus makes clear to us in the Course is that the body is the number two tool we have for healing the mind and the main function of the body is communication communicating with our brothers and sisters and so how often just think how often we have a fear of communication with our brothers and sisters even with the people we'd most like to clearly communicate with we frequently can have a sense of fear of that communication that it won't go well that people won't um Welcome what we have to share. Very common to feel that it feels safer to put up a wall. It feels safer to shut people out. It feels safer to demonstrate our discomfort with being cold and ignoring people rather than going with humility and saying, I am challenged by this. Can we talk about it? It used to be far more common, I think, than it is now that people would implode because they were overwhelmed by their feelings and they would deaden themselves to it. People are living longer now. And they're exposed to things they weren't exposed to 100 years ago because we see in movies and in television over and over and over again the theme that I never grow tired of, the person who feels insecure, isolated, unable to communicate, um, fearful, and um, unlovable who has a breakthrough and and is able to love someone and help someone and open up the door of communication. I never get tired of that story of that particular kind of redemption or any redemption story where people come back into some version of their right mind and are able to communicate love, to communicate kindness and compassion that story is always interesting to me and we have so much of that available to us in the world now so people who were shut down didn't know what to do now they have all these examples and they can be an example themselves and it's just it's it changes everything it changes everything People have such a different sense having all these models from movies and television. So it says here, death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth, the answer to the answer, the silencer of the voice that speaks for God. Death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth. So remember that um, Marianne Williamson famously quoted that we're not afraid of the darkness, we're afraid of the light within us. And that this is a reference to that teaching here. The death is seen as safety, the great dark savior. From the light of truth. The light of truth is what we're avoiding many times. Because the truth is we're all one. And if we are find any appeal in blaming, in shaming, in calling out someone as other, then we will be afraid of the truth. And we'll be afraid of God too, which we're getting to here. So he says... Yet the retreat to death is not the end of conflict. Only God's answer is its end. The obstacle of your seeming love for death that peace must flow across seems to be very great. For in it lie hidden all the ego's secrets, all its strange devices for deception, all its six sick ideas, and weird imaginings. Here is the final end of union, the triumph of egos making over creation, the victory of lifelessness on life itself. So we we went over some of this last time, but it just felt like coming back to it again, because this is... Such a key for us here in terms of, we just think of it, obstacles to peace. That's what we've been focusing on. And what what do most people wish to have? They wish to have trust and faith and peace. Harmony, prosperity, wholeness, freedom. But peace above all. People think, well, if I had to choose between experiencing wholeness or experiencing peace on a daily basis i'd rather experience wholeness they think things like that or i'd rather experience prosperity they think things like that because they can't imagine not feeling prosperous and being content with peace but that is the very nature of peace that you're undisturbed you're undisturbed i i've I'm, I'm blessed in that I have definitely experienced times in my life when I had nothing and I had issues and concerns and worries, but uh, rather not worries, but issues and concerns that could have frightened me. But I had the peace of God because I had faith and trust. So that taught me, I'd rather have the peace of God than anything else. I'd rather be, and the peace of God cannot be had if we're not loving. So with everything flows when we are loving, because love is everything. Love is prosperity. Love is abundance. Love is wholeness. Love is freedom. It's all in the mind, of course, and that's where everything real is. Hmm. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. All right. Under the dusty edge of its distorted world, the ego would lay the Son of God slain by its orders, by the ego's orders, proof in his decay that God himself is powerless before the ego's might, unable to protect the life that he created against the ego's Savage wish to kill. So, the interp- ego interpretation of the body death is that the ego is more powerful than God because God didn't save us from death. So, Jesus says, My brother, calling us all brothers, child of our Father, this is a dream of death. It's not real. Death is not real. There is no funeral, no dark altars, no grim commandments, nor twisted rituals of condemnation to which the body leads you. Ask not release of it, but free it. Ask not release of from the body. Uh, ask not the body to release us from this dream of death, but free the body from the merciless, unrelenting orders you laid upon it and forgive it what you ordered it to do. In its exaltation, you commanded it to die, you commanded the body to die, for only death could conquer life. And what but insanity could look upon the defeat of God And think it real. So we cannot defeat God. God is all there is. God is real. The ego is not real. The ego is a dream of separation. It is a thought system that enables us to dream of separation. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. So if you have a fear of death, the antidote here is to put your focus on love. And the more you focus on love and being loving the more you will feel the attraction of love. So we're looking at the attraction of death. We looked at the attraction of guilt, pain. We're looking at the attraction of death. Love has an attraction. The attraction of love is so much stronger than the attraction of death and the fear of death. However, We actually fear love more than we fear death. We fear love more than we fear death. Because in order to love, to really love, there can be no conditions. We have to give up the opinions. We have to give up All those perceptions and projections in order to actually, truly love someone. And most of us are not willing to give up our judgments, our opinions, our perceptions and our projections. We cling to them. And what I see all the time in Masterful Living is how we as individuals, we grapple with... Being in a place, Master for Living, my year-long program, we, we grapple with, I'd like to give up the pain in this relationship. I'd like to have a healed and holy relationship. But that requires me to give up my attachment to these opinions. You know, sometimes... The, the way to the holiest relationship is for it to seem to fall apart. I've seen that with people, that they grow far apart. They grow distant. They're in their ego, in their relationship, and there's no love there. There's attraction. There's affection. There's some interest and some care. But it's pretty hidden sometimes that there's no real love. And because the real love just doesn't exist in that environment of judgment and condemnation and control and manipulation and codependency and all those things. So what I see is folks in our community, they would like to experience that deep abiding holy relationship, the love, the deep love and There's a struggle to give up the habitual judgments, the habitual complaints, the habitual attack thoughts, because they've been doing it about life their whole life. It's so ingrained, and yet if they are willing, the Holy Spirit will absolutely take all of it off of them. But they have to really be willing, and people get into this place in their relationships where they don't feel safe because they've had experiences in the past where they felt wounded, they felt abused, they felt taken advantage of and taken for granted and all of this. And so now they don't feel safe. They feel distrusting, totally understandable. And their willingness to go the other way, the willingness to do it differently isn't really there. There's a wish to have the deep love and the commitment and all of those things, but the willingness just isn't really there. And people would say, no, it is there, it is there. But here's how you know you're willing. In the moment, are you going to argue to be right? In the moment, are you going to judge? In the moment, are you going to say that thing to make them feel guilty, to control and manipulate them? In the moment, is your choice loving? It is, it's either loving and compassionate or it's not. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. The end of sin which nestles quietly in the safety of your relationship. This is what I'm talking about here. Protected by your union with your brother and ready to grow into a mighty force for God is very near. It's so close. And that's what I see people around me activating. It's like flipping a switch. There's still the habituated mind that's used to judging and complaining and attacking and guilting and shaming and all those things. But if there's a strong intention to be loving, it is just breathtaking how quickly everything can change when people have a true willingness. It's spectacular. That's why I love doing what I do. (laughs) It's so wonderful, it's so miraculous. And I'm going to come up to a break here in just a moment. So before I go, two things. Uh, we, We reopened Masterful Living just for a couple of days. So it closes on Monday the 13th. And then on the 12th, Sunday the 12th, I'm doing a self-love workshop. This is my Valentine's Day gift to everyone. So come and join me in that. I'd love to see you on Sunday. We're going to have a a truly wonderful, miraculous time. And when we're self-loving, our whole life changes so beautifully. So I love doing this work. And I'll be right back. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And welcome back. Welcome back. So we're continuing this conversation about the fear of death. And I think it's so helpful to understand because many people, their lives are ruled with the fear of death. And if we're anticipating death, the end of our life, old age and death, then that will have an effect on the body. That's one of the things that... Jesus is saying in this section that the um, decay of the body is proof that the ego is stronger than God. But of course that can't be true. It is not true. But it can be true in our own mind that we're more focused on ego than we are on love. And so love is the healer of all of this, all of it. And the holy relationship, our relationships with our brothers and sisters using the body as the communication tool in our holy relationships, this is the path of healing. And it's the path of recognition of eternal life. Because when you recognize truly that your life is eternal, that you are not a body, what difference does the body make? It doesn't make so much difference. But you do see it then as a communication tool. And then you would absolutely like to be communicating love and wholeness and harmony and and to... Stand in that place where you're fully aware that your holiness blesses the world. So again, we're in Chapter 19, Section 4, Paragraph C9. And in here, he says, The infancy of salvation is carefully guarded by love. So our salvation is just beginning. And it's carefully guarded by love, preserved from every thought that would attack it and quietly made ready to fulfill the mighty task for which it was given you. So salvation is at hand. He says, your newborn purpose is nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit and protected by God himself. It needs not your protection. It is yours for it is deathless and with it within it lies the end of death so being interested in the truth the holy relationship teaching only love living in this purpose to forgive 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 to accept the atonement for ourselves and realize there is no separation This purpose is nursed by angels. Now, when he says things like that, nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit and protected by God himself, he's not being metaphorical. He's not. He's telling us the truth. The angels are nursing our highest and best path of love, of accepting the atonement. So we can give up any and all resistance, just turn it over to the Holy Spirit, acknowledging I have resistance, I have fear, oh, I, I am so clinging to these judgments, these opinions, oh, I so need to be right about this, oh, I so want to make them wrong about that. We can notice all of that going on, but turning it over to the Holy Spirit, allowing the angels to walk with us and talk with us, There is our safety. (laughs) One of the things I really love and appreciate about this teaching is it keeps taking us back to, please just accept the truth. If you just accept the truth and give up the stories you've made, then you will see there's no problem. All your problems have been solved because you have no problems. You have made up the idea of problems. And because you're living in a dream world where your mind projects onto things, you see problems where there are none. And you... You want there to be problems. We want there to be difficulties. We want to experience the separation and the pain and the hardship and the suffering. And it's, we're not doing it except to punish ourselves. And all of that can just be very quickly dissolved and resolved. And this is what I see people around me doing. But you don't have to believe it's possible in order for it to work. You just have to be willing to let go of the attachment to your perspective, that's the thing. And our perspective, pain is a wrong perspective. Our perspective is one, of course, I am a body, I am separate, I am not enough, something is wrong with me. All of that is the wrong perspective that brings the pain. He says here in paragraph 10, what danger can assail the holy innocent? So if we live in an ego fabricated world where the innocent are victims all the time. But that is not true in the sense that the the, the innocent are not victims of the world. I am not a victim of the world, I see. I am thinking, dreaming of these things, and then they're happening. For instance, I think of my grandmother, who her mother, my great-grandmother, in her early 80s, she fell and she broke her hip, which is a very common fear that, back then anyway, in the 60s. And then that was the beginning of the end for my grand, great-grandmother. So my grandmother, for the rest of her life, she lived in fear of falling and breaking her hip, that that would happen to her. And she didn't fall and break her hip, but very, very oddly... She and a friend were crossing the street when they were in their 80s, and they were doing well. My grandmother lived in a retirement community for a number of years, really liked it, and they were crossing the street, and they were hit by a car because the sun was in the eyes of the driver, and she didn't slow down or stop. Or make adjustments. She just kept going. And she hit two old ladies in their 80s. And that was the the beginning of the end for my grandmother. And so... But it might not have been, had she not had in her mind, that the fall would be the beginning of the end. So... You could easily say, "My grandmother was an innocent victim, and this woman was hit by a car." But the thing is is, if you're holding an idea in your mind for so many years, are you not bringing it into your experience so this this uh, but the facts are. There's no danger when we're not interested in danger. What can attack the guiltless? Right? Someone could attack me, but if I don't feel guilty, I can recognize, oh, they are attacking me, but it doesn't have to bother me. It doesn't have to destroy me or eat me up. Because if I feel guiltless and they're trying to make me feel guilty, they cannot succeed. They cannot, no one can make me feel guilty unless I agree. No one can make me feel ashamed unless I agree. No one can threaten me unless I agree. He says, what fear can enter and disturb the peace of the sinlessness? What has been given you? even in its infancy, is in full communication with God and you. So we have been given the Christ, the perfection, the, the mind of God. He says here, In its tiny hands it holds, in perfect safety, every miracle you will perform held out to you. The miracle of life is ageless. Born in time... But, nourished in eternity, the miracle of life is ageless, born in time but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant, (laughs) to whom you gave a resting place by your forgiveness of your brother, and see in it the will of God. So it is the will of God that, we would remember our eternal nature it is the will of god that we would recognize our true identity it is the will of god that we would be at peace and all of it is ignited by our forgiveness of our brother and recognizing that we are our brother that we are one with everyone Accepting the atonement for ourselves. Here is the babe of Bethlehem reborn. Here is the Christ reborn. And everyone who gives him shelter will follow him not to the cross but to the resurrection and the life. So my understanding is Jesus was nailed to the cross. He was crucified in public. Killed. Killed, brought to the tomb, the body was dead, and then transfiguration in the tomb, he rolled the stone away. He walked in uh, amongst the people so they could see him and touch him and realize life is eternal. There is no death. Everyone who gives the Christ shelter will follow the Christ, not to the cross, but to the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the life. I am that I am is the life. When anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble, and the cold sweat of fear comes over it. Remember, it is always for one reason. So think of those times when you're laying in bed, you're falling asleep, and suddenly you go, <gasps> you have that jolt of electricity, of adrenaline. Now you're wide awake, your heart is pounding because you just remembered something. Every kind of fear and terror, this is what he's saying. When anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, your heart is pounding, your... your <laughs> I'm thinking of all these ways to describe it. Your, your breath becomes shallow. All of that. Remember... It is always for one reason. I love when he says things like this. When he's in this absolute place, it's always, always, always for one reason. That whatever it is that seems to be the source of fear, the ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. So, for instance, if that thing that sends that electric shock through you as you're falling asleep or you're waking up, it's, I forgot to pay that bill. I forgot to send that email. I forgot to tell my boss. Something like that, right? That thing that you forgot to do is perceived as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Right? That if I forgot to do that thing, if I failed at that thing, then I'm a sinner. And sinners will be punished with death. This is the equation that is in the ego thought system. So there's an antidote for that. There's an antidote for that. Of course, there is. We can say in that moment, we can. This is, remember, it's a mind training. So we're training our mind in that moment when we feel the heart palpitations and the anxiety and the fear. There is no death. There is no sin. I am innocent. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of all my wrong decisions, all of them. If I allow it. And I do. So all is well. We train ourselves to go to that awareness. To go to that truth. To go to that perfection. That magnificence. That is eternal. That is the Christ within us. He says, remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source, for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. So he's just reminding us that when we're terrified about something, we've given it all the meaning that it has for us. This is just what he's saying here again. Just remember, you've given everything in the dream, all the meaning that it has for you. Everything is symbolic, and you are the one who has attributed the meaning to it. He says, And they may thus mean everything or nothing, according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect, confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, Judge it not. So, what I learned to do, this is the practice that really helped me in these situations. Because, like everybody else, I would have these heart palpitations, shortness of breath. Oh my God. Oh my God. I forgot to do this. Oh my God. I failed at this. Whatever it was. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would have all of that, uh, just absolute terror. And because of it, I learned the power of prayer. I learned to pray, and that's why in my year-long course, I teach people to pray. And they always tell me at the end of the year, so many people tell me, I never understood the power of prayer, I never understood how to pray. Now I have this tool, and I use it every day, and... I can experience life without that constant anxiety and feeling like a victim of the world. And every time we pray, we are remembering that our mind is the mind of God. We are not separate. And we're not praying to God because that doesn't even make sense. The only way you would pray to God is if you thought you were separate from God. When you are willing to remember that you're one with God, you don't pray to God. You pray as God. You pray as God. I pray as God. I pray holding in my mind what the truth is, what the facts are, just the facts, ma'am. And I pray from that place of the willingness to know the truth, affirm the truth, live the truth, now, not in the future, not in the past. I I can pray about the future, but I'm not saying um, when this happens, then uh, all will be well, and no, and that this is going to happen, no, because then that's saying that, Uh, release from fears in the future it can't be that way everything is now God is a now business Michael Beckwith used to say and I love that I've said that so many times remember Jennifer God is a now thing love is a now thing if it's not in your experience now, if you're not willing now, then it's not happening. So the same is true in prayer. Whatever we're declaring in prayer, it's either happening now or it's not happening. So when people pray, you know, um, God, uh, grant that I may, no, no. God is not separate granting us things. It doesn't work that way. Let's give up just saying those kinds of things. I understand the um, serenity prayer. But who is the God that's going to grant this? No, we grant it to ourselves. I am willing to recognize that when I'm ego identified, I'm powerless. But in truth, I am one with the only power there is. I am love. Love is the only power there is. I am not separate, nor could I be separate. <laughs> I guess I feel strongly about it. Of course, I know that. (laughs) So confronted, he's saying here, confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. So if you don't know what something is for, right? lesson 25, I don't know what anything is for. If you don't know what it's for, judge it not. I mean, doesn't that just seem like basic common sense? So that, for me, was one of the most helpful lessons. I don't know what anything's for, so I'm just going to back away from all these judgments. Uh, uh, The fear dissolves when there's no judgment. We offer the judgments up to the Holy Spirit for healing. And if we don't cling to it, the Holy Spirit can pop it right out of our awareness, and the healing is done. Our willingness is all that's required. He says here, Take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Judge the situation for me. Judge righteous judgment. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. That is to me the most basic practice of A Course in Miracles. And it is so helpful and so healing. In fact, it is the basis of everything that I am doing in my life, in my ministry, in my work, because my life is my ministry. Oh my goodness. Well, just a quick reminder self love workshop. Sunday, February 12th, and just in time for Valentine's Day. And we just have a couple days left of the Masterful Living registration reopen. If you would like to do this work with me this year and to cultivate that miracle mindedness, the full release of fear, worry, anxiety, doubt pain and the causes of suffering if you're interested in the renewing of your mind and you'd like some mighty companions to do it with come and join us all the details are at jenniferhadley.com it is so completely my pleasure to be able to do this work with like-minded souls it is a relief and a healing Let's take this into prayer right now. We are grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit itself and to offer up the judgments, the cl- complaints, and the grievances. We're setting ourselves free, and we are bringing our brothers and sisters along with us. We are grateful to let the past go, to let it dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. All false beliefs fade away. Sharing the benefits with everyone, we let the healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen, 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 amen. I love you. I thank God for you, and I'm so grateful for A Course to Miracles and that we have our teacher, our guide with us wherever we go. We get to be truly helpful in this world, and that's a beautiful thing. God bless you. Mwah.